Hey, good morning, everybody. Morning to everybody who's watching online. So during the week, I, um, I, I work um, at Third Space Life Charity. Um, and um, it is the most fun place to work. Um, uh, I'm, Barb and I are the only two Christians um, among probably another uh, Barb Egan and I are the only two Christians there that, you know, the rest of them have no faith or really don't espouse to any spiritual beliefs per se. And one day, um, a couple of years ago, the executive director and the office manager um, had this brochure out and it was a Jews for Jesus brochure. And again, if you have no concept at all about Christianity or anything like that, which is the way, and they know I'm a minister and they, 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 they know that I will talk their ear off if they give me too much time. And so they go, okay, heaven, how do you get in? And, um, and, and I'm thinking that, that that is a loaded question, right? How do you get in? I said, oh, that's easy. Points, it's a point system. The whole thing is a point system. And, and I, I said, so, so you convert one, a Jew, you get a certain number of points. You convert a Muslim, you get even more points. You get points, it's all points, you know? And, and well, they thought that was the funniest thing ever. Um, and uh, la- later on, I, I, I corrected my theology slightly by saying that, you know, Jesus has given us all the points. Uh, he, he's the point giver. Um, and I was thinking about the, the announcement Chad made. You know those young people that are going to babysit your bratty kids? When you go out on a date, they're getting big points. Because who in their right mind would do that? Like, you've you got to have some kind of grace on your life to babysit all your kids. Um, I sure wouldn't do that. Um, all right. I, um, I love the talk. I'm going to give you it short. So you're not going to sweat in here too long. Hebrews chapter 4 says that the words that God, that God inspires are alive and they're active. When they get inside of you, they activate life. In other words, the Bible is full of concepts, full of ideas, full of truths that, that are, are spiritually vibrant with life. Now, I think almost all of us would say yes and amen to that. But if that's true, if that's true, why is that not your reality? And why is that not my reality every day that we read the Bible? Don't you think it's interesting? How, how, how is it that we have um, the, the spiritual fountain of youth on our phones, in our homes, and yet many of us live most of the days of our lives quite static, quite flat? How is that possible? There, there is a process for how we participate with the life-giving words of God. And it's the exact same process that you use to embody the promises of God to you personally, to you individually, 
and to us corporately, it's the same process. Hebrews 6 says, it is through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. Through faith and patience, through the posture of faith and patience, we received our promised inheritance. You know, into my early teens, um, I, I, I began to experience God stirring. Like I'm thinking 13, 14. God was doing something inside of me that was, and, and continue to. Now I'm so thankful. I, I, I grew up um, with a lot of young people around me and, and the culture was one of hunger, spiritual hunger anyway. So it was, it was easy to be spiritually hungry. And that, that, that became, that began to grow in me and grow in me and grow in me. The rest of my life, I couldn't get a date to save my life. So, and I couldn't get a, a C plus to save my life. So the rest of my life was a disaster. But spiritually, I felt like I was really growing. And when I was 18, uh, I, it was clear to me and I declared to my parents that I, I think I'm going to be a preacher, maybe even a pastor. And, 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 and so um, I got out of high school and I'm torn because on one hand, I want to become a preacher, but that means I have to go to Bible college. And I barely survived high school. And I, I just didn't have the confidence or the security to, that, I, that, that I would even be, I'm pretty sure I would fail miserably in college. Um, I entered into an apprenticeship as a painter uh, right out of high school. And so while I'm painting walls, I'm dreaming a dream and I kept asking God to, you know, to, to lead me to become the person that I saw inside of me. Years went by, two years, three years, four years, five years. And, and, and it's like God didn't even hear me. I was pretty sure he didn't care because there was absolutely no movement whatsoever, except for the fact that it seemed like everybody in my life was getting promoted around me and I'm still painting walls. In fact, a whole group of people that dreamed the same dream that I had something we shared, they'd already graduated with a degree. They were stepping into their first positions as pastors and youth pastors. And I'm still rolling walls. I felt so incredibly overlooked at that time. But seven years went by. And while I'm rolling walls, there is something growing inside of me. And when patience had finished its work on me, God opened a door. God opened a door. A door opened for me to go to an incredible Bible school that I wanted to get into. And when God opens a door, he just doesn't slide it open easy. God throws it open. Because when he opened a door, not only did he open the door for me to get into this Bible school, but he, he, he made sure that the tuition was paid by others. You see, I, all that time I was painting, I wasn't a pastor, but I did start a campus ministry when I was 22. 
grew quite quickly and we had clubs on seven or eight campuses in Calgary, high school campuses. And I worked for my father in those last um, years and so he allowed me to take an extra half hour because I have to drive, go to a school, speak at lunch hour to a group of students and then go back to work. And um, I did that every day. And the Bible school that I went to, they had a policy that for every person that showed up and got through the first semester of their program, and they showed up because you invited them or told them about the, the Bible school, they would pay $200 towards my tuition. And so many people came to that Bible school because of the work I was doing in the high schools that I, I, I not only had my complete tuition paid for all of my Bible school, but I had money set aside and it was a, a scholarship that I could direct wherever I wanted when I graduated. It was pretty, pretty incredible. So not only does God open a door for me to, get to, to finally get to Bible school, he makes sure somebody else is paying for it. And in the exact same month, I got hired as a youth pastor before I'd even been to Bible school, um, a high school youth pastor at a church in Calgary. And one of the things I learned in those seven long years of waiting is that God's standard time is not Ed's standard time. I love it in Acts chapter one, he says, you don't get to know the times and dates that the father has set. Timing is God's business, not yours. His timetable for your life is good, it's great. He's just not gonna share the details with you. That's just the way he rolls. Timing, God's timing isn't good. God's timing is absolutely perfect. And waiting on the Lord is a posture of faith in his timing. It's one thing to have something of a dream and a desire and a longing growing inside of you that God, God initiated. And then the real work comes as we wait and we hold on. Waiting on the Lord um, is a God-ordained process. And while you wait, he is working. And while you are waiting, you are growing inside. And while you are waiting, God is working behind the scenes, arranging for people to come into play as needed. God's timing is not our timing. He puts a dream in our heart. He puts a promise in our heart and it takes faith to hold on to that dream. We all have things in this room that we're waiting for. Some of us in this room are just waiting for a problem to turn around. We're waiting for a relationship to turn around. We're waiting for a dream to come to pass. And when it takes longer than we expected and it's harder than we thought, we, we get discouraged and we get impatient. And that's when we decide that God needs our help. He needs our help and we decide we're gonna help him out. And this is where we get messed up. We begin to map out how our dream is going to come to pass. We begin to map out exactly what it will look like 
We map out um, when it will happen. And when we fill in all the blanks with our limited understanding, we set ourselves up for an enormous discouragement and disappointment. God said, my, as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than yours. My thoughts, you're thinking way down here. I'm operating way up here. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You see, you, we, we, so, so what, what do we know about God then? We, we may not know his timing, but we do know his character. We know that he loves us. We know that he said he would never leave us, never forsake us. We know that um, he is a good and a benevolent God. We know this. And we can trust that he will complete that which he began. Man, if I, I have to, I hang on to that all the time. Because like, I, I, I just, I want to check out. I, I, I'm tired of the, 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 how hard it is sometimes. You know, when, when God puts a dream in your heart or a desire in your heart or an idea in your heart, you probably don't have the maturity or the character at that time to walk out and steward the dream that he puts in your heart. You think you're ready for what you have in mind, but you are not ready for what he has in mind. And so his waiting room is where he gets you ready. He gets you ready. So while you are working on your project, your goal, your dream, working on your vision, God is working on you. Because he's much more interested in what you become than what you've done. And is it possible that he's saying, I will fulfill the promise that I gave you. You're just not ready. And when you're ready, it will happen. God is working the goodness of God, the graciousness, provision, the, 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 the sufficiency of God is working in every area of your life and circumstance right now. So just because you can't see him working doesn't mean he's not working. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. His delay is not a denial. And big dreams take longer to birth. Um, and so you're trusting God for one thing. And what if it's an awful lot bigger than you imagined? And that's why it's taking some time. Look at Moses. I, I think that if you look at the, if you just read the Bible, the Bible can read really flat. But if you will be patient and you will, you will start to look the, at behind the scenes and begin to look at the reality of a human life and all of its challenges, instead of airbrushing all of the characters, um, you, you, you learn so much and there's so much depth and there's so many layers of truth um, in, in God's word. And I, I just spent a lot of time reading and rereading the story of Moses, especially uh, well, the, his, whole, his whole narrative. And God created him for a really great story. 
He gave him a great calling. I mean, Moses was, 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 was a man who was a friend of God. He talked face to face with God, unlike anybody since Adam and Eve. God had given him so much authority, he would call down power from heaven. He, 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 God used him as conduit of so much power that it had the ability to break a 400-year chain of slavery of the Hebrews in Egypt. And yet, with all of that calling, before Moses could become everything that God had called him to be, he had to get ready. And that would take some serious time. And we look in his life, and it took 40 years of waiting, 40 years of breaking, 40 years of growing, 40 years of faith and patience. He needed a lot of work to be done. When I look at him in his uh, unfamous years, I just see so much of myself, um, at least in the, my own perception. You see, when Moses was born, his mother hid him. Uh, he, she hid him because Pharaoh had um, ordered the killing of all the Hebrew boys. Pharaoh was terrified of the, of the Hebrews because no matter what he did to them, he, he tried to crush them this way, they multiplied that way. He, no matter what he did, they continued to multiply. And even though he, he owned them or he controlled them, that he, he felt like they could he could never ever actually um, fully feel comfortable knowing that they were continuing to multiply. And so he ordered the killing of all these Hebrew boys. And, and, and Pharaoh's daughter found Moses where Moses' mother hid him. And the Bible says he was beautiful. He was beautiful. And she took him home. She said, Mom, can I keep it? Can I have my own Hebrew? I want a Hebrew, please. Um, everybody else gets a Hebrew. I want a Hebrew. You got Hebrews. It's my own Hebrew. I want a Hebrew, Mom. And, and, and much to Pharaoh's disdain, she kept him and she raised him in the palace. And he grew up his entire life knowing that he didn't really fit. His entire life, even though he lived palatially, uh, he knew that he wasn't really wanted there his entire life. And in the end, the Egyptians rejected him. But in the end, the Hebrews also rejected him. And by the time he was 40 years old, he was so crippled with self-doubt And God sends him out into the wilderness for 40 years. And when he was 80 years old, God calls him to set the Hebrew people free from the place of Egypt. And he felt like he was the worst candidate for this position ever in the history of mankind. How am I going to take two million Hebrews and walk them out of Egypt? How am I gonna do that? God picks someone else, anybody else. But here's what changes absolutely everything. Moses says to God, 
Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of our fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what's his name? He says, what shall I tell them? Don't you think it's interesting that the first question he asks God about this plan that God has is how am I, like he's more afraid of the Hebrews than he is of the Egyptians. And God said, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent you. God is saying to Moses, I know that you are not enough for your Egyptian family. And I know that you are not enough for the Hebrew people. I know this. And I know you're not enough as a communicator. And I know you're not enough as a leader. And I know you're not enough. But Moses, I am. I am whatever you are not. Whatever you are not, when you start speaking, I will be enough to you. Because it's not about you, Moses. It's about me. And that revelation was 40 years in the making. And as I read that and I began to look at that and I began to think, maybe that's what James was talking about when he said, let patience have its perfect work. Maybe the work of patience is activating faith in the one who says, who calls himself, I am. With God in the picture, everything's possible. And so every situation, every circumstance looks different when you take I am into the picture. So waiting patiently, by the way, I'm gonna invite uh, Canyon and the team to come on up. Waiting patiently means I'm going to have an attitude of hope and expectation. I'm gonna have an attitude of, that's an attitude. That, it's being strong in waiting. It's one where you are declaring, Father, you gave me this dream, you gave me this promise, thank you. I'm learning the power of declaration. I learned this a long time ago and then I forgot it for a long time. But I'm learning, boy, when there is something about your brain that responds differently to the spoken word. How many of you have ever, you know, think prayed? Like when, yeah, I've, I'm, I've got ADHD on steroids. So my think praying doesn't go very well. Because I start saying, thank you, Lord, for, is that a bird? what time it is huh I'm hungry and you know like and well, where was I oh yeah about that Lord yeah uh, you are really good and uh, a sandwich would be really good right now that's what goes on when I'm think praying I cannot stay I can't complete a, com a sentence in my head without running rabbit trails and so so I just it doesn't work and so for me um, uh, my wife hears me talking to myself all the time because I've learned one thing that if I'm going to talk to him, I got to keep it straight. I'm going to talk. And number two, she, he, he, I'm declaring things that go up. If it, if it lights up in my spirit or in my imagination or my heart or my mind, wherever you want to call that, um, it's coming out of my mouth. 
I've said this many times. We came, when we started the house with, with Chad, it was, it was to have an impact on that campus. And that campus rejected us for seven years. They didn't want anything to do with us because we were uh, a Christian organization. I drove into town for seven years and I would point to that campus. I said it, you'll open your doors for me and you'll welcome me in. And I said it, you'll, I think I said, you'll open your doors to us and you'll welcome us in. And seven years after they, we got here, the president of the student union, Tom McCulley, walked into my office at third and he said, we're desperate. We, we, we need help. Could you come to the university? We'll give you an office. We, could, could you bring a team? Could you help us with the, the, the mental challenges of our student body? They opened their doors and they welcomed us in. That was seven years. And I can talk to you about so many things that have happened in, in our marriage, in our life, where I started declaring it the second it went off in me. I don't even know why, but I've learned that there's power in that kind of declaration. And so I want you to capture in your mind's eye something that you're waiting for. What are you waiting for? A relationship, what are you waiting for? And you need a miracle. What are you waiting for? Try to hold on to that. And begin with me to thank God that his promise is still on route. You can think, thank him, think, thank him, or you can thank, thank him, uh, or you can, you can say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that your promise is still on route. Thank you, Father, that you're orchestrating in the unseen realm everything needed for your promise to be fulfilled. Thank you, Father, that what is impossible with people is not impossible with you. Thank you, God, that when patience has done its work, the promise will come. In Jesus' name.